Welcome to Surprise It's Not a Toaster, where healthcare digital experts Ed Bennett and I, Chris Boyer, delve into the fabric of online experiences, tackling annoyances, unveiling innovative solutions, and cutting-edge tools. And then we also challenge generative AI's limits. Hey, Ed, how are you doing today? I'm good, Chris. How's it going? Going pretty good. You know, I realized in our intro, we indicate that we're healthcare digital experts, but, you know, quite frankly, this podcast is a little bit more than just healthcare digital. It's just digital. It's digital. It's whatever strikes our fancy. (laughs) I know we're known for healthcare. We're healthcare digital veterans, as we sometimes say. But in this particular case, this podcast is designed for a much broader audience. I'm glad people are listening in. We're getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of great comments, ads. I think we hit our stride. That's good to hear. I'm looking forward to getting suggestions from from the audience of things we should talk about. We definitely want to hear about your annoyances because I know you've got them. We can hear what you're angry about and talk about it. Well, this today, we have a really great lineup ahead of us. And today, our annoyance that we're going to start with was actually indirectly surfaced by my wife to me. She Mm -hmm. kind of mentioned it offhand. And it was just a resonant annoyance that I know when I mentioned it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, we got to do this. So (laughs) why don't we just jump right in? Well, the annoyance du jour is PowerPoint and how it's used and abused in in organizations. This is a topic that's evergreen. It comes up all the time. I don't like the guy that I'm going to mention that much, but he is right on when it comes to PowerPoint. And that's Jeff Bezos of Amazon. He banned PowerPoint presentations from his staff meetings. Pretty brilliant what he's doing. Instead of a PowerPoint, he wants the whoever is presenting, he wants them to write a detailed memo, like a six-page memo on the topic, going into great depth and detail and structure. And then the first 30 minutes of the meeting, when everybody assembles, is spent reading that document. Quietly, everybody just is quiet. They hand out the document, and the first 30 minutes is for them to read and digest information in that memo and then they have a conversation Mm. which is i think a brilliant way to have meetings the problem with powerpoint there's many but the big problem with powerpoint is that it's a pitch deck it's designed to sell you something which is fine maybe if you're selling something but so often inside an organization your meetings aren't about trying to sell something to somebody it's about people in the organization coming together to solve a problem to understand something that's going on in the organization. And for that, they need to have well-structured information that's been really thought through so that they can look at it on a piece of paper or screen. And it's not a series of screens with four lines of information. It's all there in the same set of paper to be referred to. Uh, There's another person who I do respect greatly. His name is Edward Tufte. Yes. And... Probably a lot of the people in our audience know who this man is. He's like the founder of the whole idea of using imagery and display to convey information and how to present information and data in a way that is uh, uh, simple but effective in terms of conveying what you're trying to get across. He has a very interesting little like a pamphlet where he examines what happened with the Columbia Space Shuttle. Mm. Remember the Columbia Space Shuttle? one of the two shuttles that had a disastrous end. And what had happened there is that a piece of foam insulation had fallen during the launch and destroyed one of the, t- the tiles on the, the heat shield tiles. The analysis of the data that was presented to NASA before the launch showed that 
all that information, the detailed technical engineering information was presented as PowerPoints. Mm -hmm. And the data that actually was the most critical thing that the engineers were trying to get across had been watered down and lost in a whole bunch of different PowerPoint slides that nobody could really comprehend. Oh, wow. And so he's got a whole analysis. In fact, NASA hired consultants to analyze. We had all this data before Challenger launched. Why didn't we get it? Mm -hmm. And they brought in Edward Tufte to analyze all the PowerPoints. He says there were some, there was hundreds and hundreds of PowerPoints that were analyzed in, in the lead up to this. And his analysis shows how the fluff that PowerPoint does, the wasted bullet points and the watering down of information, mm -hmm. it was directly led to the, the inability for the engineers to communicate something to management that was critical on the mm. safety side. Mm. So yeah, there's lots of reasons to try to avoid PowerPoint. The best type of meeting that I ever would go to that had no PowerPoint was where the presenter had written a very detailed document that summarizes everything that they're trying to convey and handed that out as a leave behind um, for people to refer to afterwards. And the PowerPoint really was just a slide, you know, with their name up there. And, but the, the conversation was all around, okay, we've read this document and let's have a conversation about what's inside there and what we need to do next. One of the problems with PowerPoint is that it's very, makes it very easy for the presenter to create a, create a slide deck, yeah. but then it puts all the work on the recipient to try to figure out what that PowerPoint deck is really trying to convey yeah. instead of handing it to them already. So like read between the bullet points. The read between bullet the bullet points, points and, and the fancy yeah. graphs and all this yeah. other stuff. So they're putting the work on the audience instead of doing it themselves. Mm. The whole concept of, of PowerPoints also are, are kind of a challenge to me. As a presenter and having presented in front of people, mm -hmm. I could see the benefit and the reliance of using PowerPoint, but mm -hmm. I've kind of gone almost an entirely different direction in that I don't use PowerPoint to kind of convey the points that I'm saying that I'm speaking mm -hmm. about. I use it almost like a visual backdrop for me, mm -hmm. maybe showing a website that I'm presenting or something like that. Because I feel that if you put bullet points up on a slide while you're presenting, yeah. it's distracting, right? Yeah, it's distracting. And I love that. I love the whole concept of creating like a detailed document to actually convey where your position is. The challenge I have with that is, is no one reads those things unless right. you dedicate time to your meeting. Right, in, in front of the meeting. I also get a lot of, uh, you know, meeting invites that have like, this is the pre-read. Mm -hmm. And chances are only 20% of the people do the pre-read. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Jeff Bezos is in the position that everybody in that room is going to read that document in detail. Yeah. Because how horrible would, horrible would it be to ask a question and then come back and say, you know, that was answered on page four of the memo. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think there is an over-reliance on PowerPoint because yeah. it is easy. It is easy to put together a deck. I just cringe when I hear that. Why don't we just throw a deck together? It's right. like, no, maybe we don't do a deck. Maybe we actually have a conversation. And in this day and age of, of video calls, too, it's like, yeah, let's put up a deck. No, I'd rather look at the people I'm talking to. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like, you know, if you want to send me information beforehand, let's use that. I can refer to it. But... I don't need to see a deck as I'm talking right. to people. We don't have enough connections right now. Why throw another thing in the between? Exactly. Right? Yeah, I think it's a common annoyance. I think PowerPoint right. decks are an annoyance. 
I've heard some people refer to them as a necessary evil. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're necessary in many cases. Right. They, well, we'll so, throw a link to Edward Tufte's uh, essay on PowerPoint. That I love that like. you mentioned Edward Tufte. I am a big yeah. fan. I've actually taken yeah. one of his data visualization classes yeah. and Same here. have three of his books. So that is a great deep read for those of you listening in. So, But I, I'm really excited to kind of pivot now to sure. the tip and technology because this one that you put out here, I'm like jealous that you have experience <laughs> with this. So, Ed, go for it. Tell me. Okay. About it. Well, the the tech tip is the new Apple Vision Pro virtual reality, augmented reality. It was just launched like 48 hours ago or 72 hours ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a friend, a neighbor who is really into tech and has some pretty good disposable income. Uh, and he called me up and he said, "Hey, Ed, I just got the Vision Pro. You want to come over and check it out?" And I was there in five minutes. Of course. <laughs> and um, he set me up. And it's one of those things that you have to experience to really understand it. It can't really be described. I mean, it can't be shown in, you know, those clips that Apple, you know, has, you know, trying to show you what it's like to be on it. You really have to experience it. And it had a huge impact on me. I mean, I was really just blown away at the things that this thing can do in terms of entertainment, in terms of immersing yourself into an environment, in terms of its impact on me and of being being presented with new technology, it reminded me of the first cell phone. Really? Do you remember the Motorola brick? Oh, gosh. Like the, yeah. 1983. Oh 1983. If you go to some of the old movies from that time, you're going to see, you know, the stockbrokers have this huge cell phone that's like... Oh, let's see. Where was it? It was big and black, and they would hang it up to their head, and they have a big antenna that they would extend out of it. So here, here are the specs on the on this. It was, it was nine inches tall, weighed two and a half pounds. Oh my gosh! Took twelve hours to charge, (laughs) and had thirty minutes of battery life, (laughs) and sold for four thousand dollars. Jeez! Now, I was working, believe it or not, at a Radio Shack when this first came out and they had this $4,000 cell phone inside the Radio Shack and they let me use it. And I still remember the first time I used it, I walked outside, you know, this was in a mall or something, the Radio Shack. I walked outside and I called my wife and I said, you're not going to believe this. I'm talking to you from outside and there's no wires and I'm walking around. I still remember how amazing that felt. Like this was, I was suddenly pushed into the future because Mm -hmm. of this cell phone. I feel the same way about the Apple product. Mm. It's big. It's clunky. It weighs a pound, one and a half pounds. There's a lot that's wrong with it because it's it's just it's the first generation. But I can see how as this as the technology progresses and this thing becomes less obtrusive, mm-hmm. that people will start using it as their primary computing platform. Really? That's yeah, a bold I tr- statement. I truly believe this. The types of things that we're using phones for now and iPads for, communication, checking email, phoning somebody, I think there's going to be a time in the future, and this may be 10 years down the road, where it's going to it's going to be a device that looks just pretty much like a pair of sunglasses or a pair of regular glasses. And you will really, I'm sure there'll be some indication if they're being recorded, but it won't be this big blocky thing that covers up your face and makes you look like a you know, spaceman or something. It's going to be something fairly unobtrusive, but it will allow you 
to have your computing space with you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And just invoke it, and up comes a browser window. Here comes a video call. Mm-hmm. Here comes an email I can voice respond to. And it ties into your life in a very fundamental way. You know, the demos that they had where you're, in, you're interacting with a dinosaur and you're having things land on your finger and it's, it's interacting with your physical world is spectacular. But the ability to have all that computing power built into an interface that is now just becomes part of your life is something I think that's a real game changer. I was reading... Uh, an article, I'm not sure if you sent it to me or someone else did, that basically said, um, Apple's computer for your face. And that's what they refer to it as. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, the current one definitely is. But we've been here before, Ed. There was Google Glass. There was, you know, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Microsoft did a big virtual reality. I know yep. Meta is trying to do it. The difference here is that they have solved some of the big problems of these devices. There is no handheld controller. It has sensors that can see your fingers and see your hands, so you can have your your hands on your on your lap, and you can make simple motions with your fingers to take actions. It tracks your eyes. It's very low profile for something that's sitting on your face that looks like you, you know, like a yeah, yeah. Hand. If I picture this with a piece of hardware that is much less obtrusive, mm-hmm. like a, looks like a pair of regular glasses, then that's something that is. Um, really streamlined and, and part of your just your normal apparel. It's like putting on your shirt, or as you say, putting on pants in the morning uh, for, for <laughs> ROI. Um, what is the ROI of wearing pants? Well, what is the ROI of having this type yeah. of thing where you have yeah. this, this available at any time? Yeah, wow. Well, I'm so jealous that you had a chance to try it out. Well, speaking of breakthrough technologies, um, it's time to pivot now to my part of the show, cool. which is Stump uh, Generative AI. And today, and I'm so excited because I'm going to share something that we haven't shared this generative AI solution before. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of branching out. It's not like a chat GPT or a Bard or something like that. Today, I'm going to explore generative AI through music. Cool. And I know you're a big music buff. Yep. Yep. So this is exciting. So this is something when I played around with it, I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder what Ed would think about it. <laughs> uh, it's a website called suno.ai, S-U-N-O.ai. And when immediately when you go to that site, it has this kind of like carousel. It says, make a song for your friend, make a song for your mom, make a song to cry to, make a song for your workout. It's basically the intention here is using this platform, Suno, to make a snippet of a song. It's not really a song. So what I'm going to do, Ed, is with a little prompting from you, this is completely live here. (laughs) What it asks you to do is pick a genre of music. What's your favorite genre of music? Progressive rock. Progressive rock. Pink Floyd, you know. Okay. And so I'm going to say is create a progressive rock song about, and let's pick the topic, Ed. What topic would you like it for it to be Mm. about? Taking my dog for a walk. (laughs) About taking your dog for a walk. And I'm going to hit create here. There are two songs it created for me. Okay. The first song is called Echoes of the Leash. You want to hear it? Sure.
So it's only a snippet of a song, right? Yeah. And it actually shows the lyrics here, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, nice. Okay. So that's the first one. Before you pass judgment, okay. there's also a second snippet it generated. And this one's called Canine Expedition. Okay. I'm listening to it now. Okay. For those of you listening in, Echoes of the Leash, the words are in the twilight, the city falls asleep, the echoes of my steps no longer discreet. I leash up my furry head, ready for an adventure through the winding streets will venture. And then there's a chorus. Canine expedition, the words are in the twilight hour under painted sky. I take my loyal friend, together we'll defy. Through the city streets we roam and we explore, in the concrete jungle we will find much more. This is kind of a fun little parlor trick, right? Yeah, it's kind of cool. But, but now that you heard these two songs, the whole concept of taking a genre and right. being able to generate a song based on any topic, I think it's a unique application of AI. But I'd love to hear, this is your, your time, Ed, for you to uh, pass judgment. What do you think? Is this well, tool good? I think the concept is very good. And I've heard other tools that are more sophisticated in how they generate music. It's fascinating. It kind of reminds me of when I'm in, sometimes I'm in the grocery store and I'll hear songs being played. And it's like, they're obviously trying to copy a particular artist, but they're not paying the artist anything. So they're creating a new song in the style of that artist. And they're doing it just enough tones and chords that makes you think you're hearing what they're one of their songs, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's what this that's what it reminds me of it, there's a bit of um of rush is what i heard in uh, this in these two art these two recordings there is some rush influence in yeah. there, that's for sure yeah but i mean for something as straightforward and simple as this this is a lot of fun i'm gonna yeah, give it a, i'm gonna give it a pass we got a pass there so yeah. there we go ed beware all you artists out there there are uh, ai tools coming after you and you know yeah. it's only going to get better with time Yes, sir. <laughs> well, there you go, Ed. So okay. another pass, a generative AI for the win. Yeah, they, I think the trend line is getting more passes than fails. Yeah. Recently. Yep. Maybe you're uh, you're impressed now. I'm easily amused now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's great, Ed. And I think this has been a really, really great episode. I appreciate yeah. it. Maybe you can play these songs when you actually take your dog out for a walk. You know? That's right. <laughs> this has been a great episode. I really enjoyed today's episode. I hope you all listening in are enjoying yeah. this as well. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but we always would welcome if anybody has a technology that you'd like us to review for you, mm-hmm. any kind of annoyance that you have out there, or a generative AI solution that would be fun for us to live try out with one another on the show. That's what this whole show is about. That's yep. why we call it Surprise, It's Not a Toaster. Not a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, for Ed Bennett and for myself, Chris Boyer, we will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>